Good morning. morning. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, please. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Good to be here. Good to to see you guys. Uh, The 1 Peter chapter 1, the title of this morning's message is going to be Endurance. Okay, endurance. First Peter chapter 1. The month of April, okay, in the month of April, we worked through a good portion of First Peter chapter 1, most of it. Uh, today, Lord willing, we'll finish First Peter chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to definitely encourage you, though. Uh, I really am not going to, I don't want to take the time to go back and, and review a whole bunch of, of April. So I'm just going to encourage you to go on your own time and uh, make a note to yourself to go back and thoroughly read the, at least, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, just to give you a little bit more of the background of what built up to today's message, if you haven't been here. Um, and I would also just encourage you to go ahead and read through the entire book of First Peter. Okay, read the whole book, read it often as much as you possibly can, um, just to get it in your heart. The the, the title endurance, uh, really, you know, the the primary aspect of this title really is going to come from. Uh, verses 22 through 25, uh, where the where the real focus is on the fact that the word of God endures; it lasts; it's eternal. And we're going to see the contrast of so much in our lives that is simply put not eternal, not lasting. And so we we live in this reality. I mean, I know some of the questions that that Bob took on in the month of may uh one of those things was what's the point you know the uh you know we we run around a whole lot we do a lot of things sometimes we do it in the name of religion or being religious um we do things because we believe we're supposed to do things uh and but we find ourselves at times scratching our heads a bit i'm going to recommend another book to you it's in the old testament it's it's a book called ecclesiastes um, now, the deal with Ecclesiastes is when you read that book, you really need to read the whole thing. It's not that long, okay? but you really do need to read the whole thing because it's really a, an overarching statement. A lot of the Old Testament scriptures in particular are that way. They're narrative and style. They're, you know, you, if you just go in and say, hey, I'm going to read three verses, uh, oftentimes you'll get something out of context. Uh, Ecclesiastes, for those of you not familiar with it, you know, if you know the, uh, you know, some of the sayings like to every, to every time there is a season, you know, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to, to gather, a time to, to sow, a time to gather, you know, those, this, this, uh, you know, we have songs that are built off of, of that, especially out of that, uh, you know, little hippie generation, right? Who's the guy that sang that? The birds, the birds, there we go, yeah. The birds. So, uh, yeah, to every, you know, turn, turn, turn. And, uh, you know, it's just this idea of the reciprocal nature, the, 
The, the fact that what comes around goes around. There's nothing new under the sun. So if you're familiar with any of those kind of phrases or sayings, either through your classic rock or through a classic reading of the scriptures, there, there is Ecclesiastes. To me, it's a fitting thing. You know, again, my, my youngest graduated high school yesterday. You know, we, I think when we come across times like this, you know, these transitions of life, we oftentimes reflect on, on that. And, and I oftentimes in my line of work, not just, you know, when I come and am able to share from the Word of God, but also as, a, as an educator, as a teacher, um, I think a lot about the seasons of life. And I deal with middle schoolers, as you often hear me uh, share, you know, I, I, I get the joy of, you know, working with sixth through eighth graders and and it's not always easy, but it is, it is great in many ways to, to watch the growth, to watch the change of a kid coming in as a sixth grader. And then like tomorrow afternoon, we'll have our promotion ceremony for our eighth graders and I'll be up there helping to lead that. And, you know, it's always fun to watch, you know, just some of that growth and maturing that you see take place in those three years. Uh, endurance. You know, sticking to it. You know, they, they get done with middle school. It's like on to high school. Yesterday, get done with high school. It's like, well, now you get to really start life. Um, you know, parenting. We talk about we've had child dedications, baby dedications here here recently. You know, can I, can I exhort and encourage all of you, no matter what age you are as a parent? You need endurance to be a parent. You know, you need a lot of it. Uh, it's not going to let up. Um, I want to encourage you, again, as somebody who works with children for a living, please don't stop parenting just because your child gets to a certain age. I see a lot of people that are, you know, we, we talk about sometimes what we call helicopter parents, you know, that are there over everything. And then we got a lot of parents that I call the, uh, you know, uh, you know Roman, Roman candle parents, you know, just light the fuse and whoosh, good luck. Uh, you know, and there's a little bit of both extremes sometimes out there. Uh, sometimes it's when they hit middle school. It's like, okay, you know, we've done what we can. I mean, I know that may sound a little extreme, but still it's like you get that feeling sometimes that, that parents kind of start giving way too much uh, freedom and liberty to their children at way too young of an age where they're not prepared for it. And they get into very destructive things at a really, really young age. I could give you stories and examples of things that I run into in our school system that are troubling. But it's like our kids, and I would say more than ever before, these bad boys right here, these things are just, you know, as great of a tool they can be, you all know. These things can just, just mainstream every most carnal filth there ever is and the youngest of kids is accessing it constantly are you going to make a decision with these things you know those of you with young children are you going to be strong enough to say no or actually guard your children as they're on these things and these devices if you don't i would challenge you with this are you willing to love your children sacrificially even when it's uncomfortable trusting your kids is one thing being careless with your kids is another thing uh, and i want to encourage you to, to guard your child's heart 
and guard these kind of things because so much comes through those things. For us as adults, it's, it's a brutal thing to, to manage at times. Amen? Amen? Let alone imagine dealing with that. Uh, you know, I could, again, I could go into lots of examples and I'll save some of those details for right now. But, but you know, what are young children, elementary age children are becoming connoisseurs of through that? How it is shaping them, shaping their ability to cope and deal with everything is extreme. So we need endurance through the long haul. Uh, just because my, my youngest just graduated high school, I'm very well aware. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. Had never have, never will. But I need to, in Christ, embrace, sacrificially embrace this challenge that is called being a parent to my children. No matter whether they're 8 months old, 8 years old, 18, 28, whatever it is, and so forth. Continue to be there and, and adjust and adapt to it as we go through life. Before I read the, the scripture we're in today, I want you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we want to run the race of life well. Lord, we want to do it, Lord, not on our own, not on our own strength, because, Lord, we are unable. I ask, Father, that you would instruct and guide us today, encourage us by your word, Lord, strike deep into our heart the, the awareness that we must, we absolutely must depend fully on you for life, for things that matter, for things that will endure. And we pray that you will be receiving the glory and honor that you are due both today in our life and for eternity with our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 20. Kind of stopped in the middle of that, of that portion there on uh, my last time here late in April. So I'll, I may as well back up just one verse to 19, uh, but with uh, talking about how we were purchased, not with corruptible things, but starting in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then verse 20, he indeed, he being Christ, indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was made, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, since you have purified your souls, in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Lord, have the blessing to the reading of his word. That final phrase, 
that in, uh, probably like in your Bible, it kind of rolls right into chapter 2, where we'll be next week. That final phrase, now this is the word by which the power, by, excuse me, by which the gospel was preached to you. It's that eternal word. The eternal word is powerful. The eternal word is lasting, abiding, and enduring. Endurance. Webster says it's the ability to withstand hardship, to withstand adversity, to sustain a prolonged and stressful effort. Do you see why I brought up raising your children? To the ability to withstand hardship and adversity, to sustain a prolonged and stressful effort. It's stressful being a parent. It's stressful to be a believer in Jesus Christ in a world that is going the opposite direction. It's stressful to walk and abide in Christ in a job that doesn't always want to have you walk in something that is called truth. It's stressful and it's difficult. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Some of you uh, may recognize that verse, but it, it fits well with this idea of endurance. It's Paul speaking, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He speaks of this life that we live, this walk, this, but he talks about it like a race, like running. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. He says this, do, not, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, we run the race for an imperishable crown. What does imperishable mean? But enduring, lasting, eternal. We do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into submission and into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I, my, I myself should become disqualified. If you're going to run, run to win. If you're going to run, run to finish. Who here has ever ran Bloomsday? Raise your hand if you've ever ran that ridiculous thing. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's... Now it's virtual, right? I mean, it's like, wow, that's even better. You know, I think I might have done that and didn't even know it. Uh, you know, it's like virtual Bloomsday, I might have won. You know, it's like, uh, but it's like if, you, if you've ever ran that, and it's been a few years since I have, you know, maybe you, you, you competed in cross country. I, I can't necessarily say I competed in cross country, but I did it by mistake once, um, you know, and I watched my son do it, do compete in cross country, and he mostly competed, uh, you know, but it's just like, those are, those are rough sports, you know, it's like, it's, it's literally in the definition, it's, it's a prolonged stressful effort, it's hardship and adversity, you, you know, when I did cross country myself, it's like, why am I doing this thing that when I'm, when I'm doing it, I feel like I might die. 
You know, I, I, I think I'm going to throw up. You know, it's like, what do you mean I can't eat whatever I want on the bus on the way to the meet? You know, I, I can't have a two liter of dew and a, and a bag of Doritos. You know, I can, but I'm going to be seeing it again real soon. About the 1.5 mile mark. You know, it's like, yeah, there it is. Uh, it's like, that's, that's cross I mean, Bloomsday, you know, it's, I, I used to always kind of have these dreams, you know, and I saw a few people that had similar dreams on occasion. You know, if you ever watch the, 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 the actual uh, airing of it on TV, you know, they would show the beginning of the race and they used to not be quite as careful about, about the, the beginning, the front of the pack. You know, it's like, cause you'd get out there and all of a sudden you'd see some guy like me, you know, that was just like busting it out from the gates. And he was just like, running for all he was worth and they're like well who's this guy here number uh 479 you know they're like mm, not sure pretty soon about you know 300 yards down the course you know he's like you know he's like i'm good you know it's like you know and then everybody else continues to go because you know he's just sprinting it out at the beginning cross country was the same way you know again i'd watch i did you know i'd myself but watching others do it you'd see people and you'd see them it's just funny because they didn't understand the concept of pacing themselves it's like okay you're gonna run three miles son okay sounds good they get out there and again they're in a they're doing a wind sprint you know so they they don't make it far next thing you know you see them around the first corner as soon as they leave where everybody can see them and what all of a sudden they're walking you know they're in the woods and they're walking because it's like come on you know there's a pacing that has to take place here, you know, and that's, that's, unfortunately, that's so many of our lives. That's, that's our walk. That's our faith. Uh, we're, we're sprinting at times. We're the first one to speak up. Uh, I was going to read to you and I'm going to save it for today, but I was going to read to you out of Ecclesiastes that I did mention to you. There's a, there's a word in there that says, be careful when you make a vow to God. Be careful when you do that. When you walk into the house of, of the Lord, be careful. Make sure when you give a vow that you mean it. You know, we know that vows are important. But when you make a vow, don't be surprised when Satan, the father of lies, is going to go after and do everything he can to get you to be a breaker of your vows. Vows of marriage. Vows of, you know, again, we, just, we talked about baby dedications and child dedications. A vow that I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to raise up my kids and, to fear and honor and, and trust the Lord. You're a target. You are a target of Satan himself. It's like, no, you're not. I'm going to chip away. You're going to, you're going to buy into the reality that, you know what? What you're doing doesn't really matter. I mean, your kid is only two years old. You got plenty of time. Satan's always there saying, you got plenty of time. You get to that a little bit later. Oh, come on. They're only in the third grade. It's not a big deal. Oh, come on. That's that temper tantrum they're doing. That's just, we just call that the terrible twos or threes or fours or fives. Uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You can get it, you get it under wraps a little bit later. Teach that self-control thing later. Now, what we're telling people is, hey, they're only 18. The prefrontal cortex, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I get, I get the training. I'm probably in trouble here already because this is getting recorded. But, you know, it's like uh, we really can't hold people accountable until they're like 50 now because, you know, the brain hasn't fully developed. 
And so you're going to make rash decisions and choices. You know, it's like that's going to happen. So, I mean, come on. You can't expect too much out of them at that age. So we're just backing off the responsibility piece. The, the let your yay be yay and your nay nay. Uh, let's, you know, what, what, what's your plan? Are you going to commit to this? Are you going to join the team? Are you going to, are you going to join the church? Are you going to be a member? Are you, are you going to, are you going to commit to this fellowship? And then next thing you know, you're gone for three months and I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm just saying, you know, it's just the reality that life is going to come and we're going to get picky about things and we're going to want to wander off from our parenting, from our marriage, from our, from our job, from everything. Fickle, quick, quick to quick to quit, very quick to quit things uh, in this day and age. And yet we're called to be people of endurance. Why? Because we're called to be people of the book. We have a God that's all about endurance, all about be, be tapped into the vine. Uh, he is the vine. You're the branch. You know, be, be, be connected. Not every now and then. Be, abide in him. Endure with him. Got, I got uh, a couple of points here. You know, the start of the, you know, and I really am going to work through, through the, these five verses here in the, in the, viewing it in light of kind of like a race. The first thing is that the start, the very starting line of the race for us is all about the fact that Christ is the one that starts us off. He's the start and the finish. You're going to see that that piece is there. If you look at verses 20 and 21, it says there, in, he indeed was foreordained before you ever stepped up to the line to start running this race of faith. Christ was already there. He was, he was, he indeed was foreordained before the very foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times. Why? The scripture says for you. Christ is for you. Now that's a real love story. Christ is for you. It's, it's real love that has been given to you. It's the love of the father that has been given to you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you and for me. Real love given to us. And it's the very start of our race of life. The reality of your faith in God is the very proof of the glorious and the eternal plan of the Father. He, Christ, was chosen, foreordained before the very foundation of the world. And he has been made manifest is what the New King James Version says. I believe the NIV says he has been revealed in these times for you. Remember, that's how he closed off this, uh, this, this first chapter closes off that way. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. What is the gospel? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That there is forgiveness, that there is restoration, that, that Christ indeed has come to, to rescue you from a, a fruitless and a pointless life. He, he rescues you from it. He, again, it kind of echoes back up to where we were with verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. You were saved from the, the, from the, from the fruitless uh, traditions of our fathers, the things that are just like bouncing through life. 
Ecclesiastes goes over and over again. He says, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? And then you get to the end of the book and he says, the point is to the glory of God. That's the point. Yes, you're going to look here. Solomon in all his wisdom. He says, I tried this. I looked at that. I, I examined everything. What's the value of it? What's the value in going to work every day? What's the value in being an honorable person? How are we different than a goat or a dog? He examines all those things and he comes to the end. He says, but for the glory of God, of course it's meaningless. But God is the meaning. It's his story. It's his story that he says, I'm from the very foundation of the world. I've called you to be a part of my story and you're going to be called my beloved. Not garbage, not nothing, not worthless, not a clump of cells, not an accident. My beloved, redeemed, saved, worth more than everything. The, the reality of the start of the race is, is one in which we understand, verse, 20, verse 21, who through him we believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Remember, every time he mentions raising him from the dead, that's that evidence piece. The evidence of God power at work. Not a dead Savior, a dead and resurrected Savior. A lamb slain, but a lamb risen. But a lamb that bears the scars eternally. You hurt, he hurt. You have wounds and scars, he took the wounds and the, and the scars. So that your faith and your hope are in God. Your faith and your hope. Faith is what you have presently to walk today. James would say, don't boast about tomorrow. Don't tell everybody what your plans are next year or next month or in the next decade. You don't even know if you have tomorrow. Amen. Say, if the Lord wills, James chapter 4. If the Lord wills, we will go to work tomorrow. Amen. If the Lord wills, we will have a harvest tomorrow. But your life is a vapor. You know, he, again, he echoes it in the, in the latter portion of, of 1 Peter 1 here. Our life's like, like the grass that quickly springs up and quickly withers away. My faith is my present faith. My hope is my future hope. That, that all are anchored in Christ Jesus. The, 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 you, you avoid a false start by starting in Christ. What's a false start? Intellectual only. Hearing about something, saying some, some little prayer, throwing out a prayer, Lord Jesus, do this, not understanding what your vow is. Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you. Lord Jesus, I'm, you know, we've had people getting baptized lately. You know, it's like you, you, you need to be praying for those who have been baptized lately. Why? Because they're going to be under attack. They made a statement of faith in front of, in front of the world and they said, I identify myself with Jesus Christ. Oh, really? Let's see about that. Let me come after you. Let me see how, who you really identify with. The, the vow is made. Christ says, keep your vows. Keep your promises. <clears throat> God the Father made a promise in Genesis. I'm going to send a deliverer. 
the deliverer was sent. He raised up that deliverer for you. Gave that deliverer for you. Laid all your sins and all your, your filth and all your wrongs upon that deliverer. Said, oh, here's my son, my only son, the son that I love. And he gave him over to the cross to become a curse to remove yours. The, the power of the love of God the Father. Do you know your God? The pace part of the race is number two. It's the evident impact of God's presence. The pacing of your life. Again, it doesn't mean you're not going to stumble. It doesn't mean you're not going to make some mistakes. Racers, people that race, fall. They stumble. They trip. We all love the videos. Somebody else comes along. They're, they're a true brother. They look over and they see somebody running the race with them. And they see him fall. And they don't, they don't always just say, ha ha, I'm going to whoop you, sucker. They, they turn around on occasion and they show an amazing amount of grace and love. And they say, get up, let's finish. Pretty sure Ecclesiastes speaks a little bit about that too. Why it's good not to be alone. Why it's good to have a strand of three. So that once one stumbles, another can pick you up. Why should you be in church? Because you need more than just your kid telling you, hey, get up, dad. You need more than your wife saying, let's go, man. <laughs> you, did you see the filter? <laughs> picking words, picking words. Yeah, let's go. Be a man. Be the man you, I need you to be. We have children. We have a life. I know it's hard. I know you may struggle with depression. I know you may struggle with just getting out of bed. I know it. I get it. It's hard. But let's go. Let's do this together for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ's name and our family. I'm here with you. It's okay. But it's not okay to just stay and, and sit and shrink back. Into the old way of life. We're called to something better here. Let's go. Be a brother. Be a sister. To, of Christ to one another. The pace. The evident impact of God's presence. If you look at 22 and 23 here. You're going to see it. Since you have purified your, your souls. In obeying the truth. Through the spirit. In sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's like that's the healthy diet. That is the antithesis of the Doritos and the Mountain Dew on the way to the race. That is the night before eating the sketty, right? Eating the spaghetti and drinking the water and getting a good night of rest. It's called obeying the natural needs of what your body requires. So that you can run the race. Put in the work. Have the discipline. If you're going to run the race, for Pete's sake, run it well. You're going to call yourself a Christian? Then don't be a bad one. Don't be a Christian with excuses for everything all the time. Embrace a new life. Embrace a life that calls others alongside of you. Again, not as, hey, follow me because I got it all made and I'm perfect and my thought life is just 100% victorious. No, it's not. 
but at the same time, quit embracing it and just saying, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Watch me sin. I'll get, I put it on display every day, 24-7. But praise God, he's forgiven me. Find the biblical pace that God gives us and calls you to. He has called you not to a life of pointlessness and worth and defeat. He has called you to a life of strength and victory in Jesus Christ. And he has equipped and enabled you. How has he equipped and enabled you? Because he has filled you. He has put his very spirit in you. Not a spirit of fear and timidity, but a fear of power. Resurrection power. That you can run the race. Run the race with endurance. Purify yourself, he says, as you. Look at not, not that Not that God comes and zaps you with a, with a wand and says, You are purified forever. You will never deal with sin again. That's coming eventually. That's glorification. But right now, since you have purified your souls, how? In obeying the truth. Obey. That Jesus, he was such a nice guy. He didn't care about us being obedient. He says, don't call me your friend if you won't do what I say. You got to obey me. You got to follow me. You got to pick up your cross and follow me. It's going to be a hard race. It's going to call for endurance. Purify through obeying the truth. Real love given. Listen to this piece. Real love given continues. Real love continues. It endures. That's why when I make a vow to my wife, it should endure. It hasn't always been perfect. I have so many regrets for so many days and, and times where I haven't loved as I ought to love my children and my wife and my family and you as a body of believers. It's a battle to struggle. It's easier to love my little doggy sometimes. He's so cute and sweet. Snuggles up, forgives me, he's all those things. But people are, are difficult. Newsflash, right? Real love given, though, is love that will endure. We are a conduit. We receive it. You know, we hear it. As you have freely received, so freely give. And, he, and, and Peter speaks of it here. Uh, received, he says, having been born again. He, excuse me, the, the prior verse, end of verse 22. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. I believe a pure heart is a soft heart. We sang it here this morning. Lord, soften my heart. But the, there's a problem with soft hearts. Soft hearts get hurt. Don't they? Hardened hearts just bounce off of me. Big deal. I don't care. You can't hurt me. I won't let you hurt me. Soft hearts are going to hurt when you invest in people and you love one another. Was, was Christ hurt? Was his heart hurt by even those closest to him? Oh, you better believe it. But his love endured and remained for them. And it does for you as well. Verse 23 says, because we are born anew. Born anew with a kind of love and a kind of heart, you know, that is able to do these things. Because it's not born of, of corruptible seed. It's born of an incorruptible, eternal, love born from God kind of a birth. 
And that born anew is, is indeed incorruptible. It's the very spirit of God and the word of God. And it changes, has the ability to change everything. It is living and it is permanent. Verse 23. Through the word, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. And then we come to our final point which is verses 24 and 25 here today. Why should we keep going? Why do, we, why do we look for the finish line? Why is it important to have a finish line kind of vision when you're running? Because it'll keep you going. Take a look at Philippians chapter 1. Back a few books. Philippians chapter 1 speaks a little bit of great news for us on this. The good news, you're not at it alone. Verses one, chapter, excuse me, chapter one, verse six of Philippians says this: being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you had a true start to your faith in Christ, it's going to be a finish line for you. Because Christ, who started that work in you, he will carry it on. His power, his plan, his purpose for you is greater than your ability in and of yourself to always keep your chin up, your nose pointed forward and looking to the finish line. Christ in you is the guaranteed we have that you will finish the race. If he's got to carry you across, he will carry you across that finish line. He says, run the race with endurance. Why? Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. It's short-lived, but the word of the Lord, it does endure forever. God's word stands. If God's word stands, what ought you to do? You ought to do the same thing that Peter is doing here. Peter's life was transformed and it was changed. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you, that eternal gospel, that enduring gospel. Are you investing in things that are going to last or are you spending all your time investing in things that are temporal and, and, and withering away as quick as a flower on your, on your porch? Invest in eternal things. And, and, what, and the final charge I want to give to you here out of 1 Peter chapter 1 is if this is true, if he is your God, if he is your father and you're calling upon him, indeed, live your life in fear and in, in, and in healthy, appropriate conduct towards the Lord, understanding the time is near to Christ's return. But by all means, preach it. Preach that with your life. Plant it. Practice it. Perfect it. Does God deserve your time? Does God deserve your energy? Does God deserve your, your effort? It's a difficult race. Will you endure? By God's grace, we will all endure if we're planted in God's word and in God's truth. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the investment you have placed in our lives. Lord, it's not, a, it's not a fickle investment. It is an investment with the very life and precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life 
as a ransom and a payment for mine and for ours. And Lord, we ask that you will, you will help us, Lord, to obey your truth. We can't obey your truth, Lord, if we don't know your truth. We can't know your truth if we're not, if we're not investing in it, reading it, getting to know it. We have to know truth better than we, better than we know all the falseness that is around us. Lord, and we need your strength and we need the help of brothers and sisters around us to help us indeed run the race to, to completion. And we thank you for the opportunity to have our lives, Lord, be a testimony to your power and to your love. And may our lives be a, an echoing of love that you have poured into us that we might in turn pour it into others around us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to come forward for communion. And ask Mark if he would bless the bread, please. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning. Our, our speaker spoke of endurance. But we look now to the strength of my Savior that endured even to the cross. And as we commemorate that horrible day, I thank you that your endurance triumphed. And three days later, you were alive. And today you sit at the right hand of the Father, and I thank you. And I ask, and in fact beg, for the strength that you can impart to me and to each one of us, that we may endure as Christians, as brothers and sisters, as wives and husbands, as dads, as moms. Give us that strength, I pray, through your endurance. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
Ecclesiastes 5, I'm going to read it. Not all of it, a little bit of it to you. Whenever we come to communion, we always talk about let a, let, let a person examine themselves. I believe there's something very closely related here in, in Ecclesiastes 5. Listen to it. It says, walk prudently. That's like examining what you're doing. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and you draw near to hear. Make sure you come to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Evil is this, brothers and sisters. The sacrifice of fools is this, brothers and sisters. Making a commitment saying this to God and then not following through with what you've just told God. So when you examine yourselves, don't offer God the sacrifice of a fool. Don't play God a fool. Saying something you don't mean. Do not be rash with your mouth, it says. And, let you, and do not let your heart utter anything hastily before your God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at you at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity, but fear God. Fear God. Love God. Know God. Here's a vow that God gave to you. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take you and eat in remembrance of me. Bless the cup. Hold on, we're going to pray first. We'll pray first. Bless the cup before we hand it out. Go ahead. Father God, I just praise you and I thank you. I sought the Lord and I was not disappointed. You never failed me, Lord. From the cross to today, you've never failed me. Lord, help us to be your servants. Help us to love like you love, forgive like you forgive. Help us to walk like Christ. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay.
Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who struck me. Remember, this is prophetic from Isaiah. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. And I take you to Luke chapter 22, verse 15, where Christ spoke to his disciples and he says this, With fervent desire, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup of his precious, representing the precious blood of his life. And he says, this is the cup of my new covenant. This do in remembrance of me. Take you and drink. Please rise and join hands and we'll sing our closing song.